Hello, and welcome to the Weekly Recap. I am Nick. Uh, on FaceTime with me, we got Jake and a special guest, Trevor from Dancing Gnome, is back with us again. Uh, not well, in always studio. A always a pleasure to have Trevor on the podcast. Yeah, this is our first always quarantine stop guest. By. So. Thanks for being the, here. Potentially the last guest as well. We came on right before quarantine hit. Yeah, that's right. It was literally like the week that it happened. Or like, yeah, it was the week before it happened, I think, right? Yeah, it was like the weekend of St. Patrick's Day, whatever weekend. It was like that Sunday night. It might have been St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. No, I think St. Patrick's Day ended up being Monday or something weird. Okay. But yeah, so welcome no, St. Patrick's Trevor. Day always falls on a Thursday, I'm pretty sure. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's how that works. Third Thursday in March, yep. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> I thought that, that was right. I think you're right. Um, so yeah, we have a great show in store for you guys. Yep, Alex may be jumping on later. We don't know. We'll see how it goes. His his Mac is uh, really on its last leg. So T's and P's out for <laughs> Alex's 2013 MacBook Pro. Oh, geez. What did they, they say? Drop an F? Drop an F in the comments? Yeah. I don't really know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> it's all those young kids saying it, you know? <laughs> so, Trevor, you've been... Uh, Listening along with the last few weeks here, right? Yep. Yep. Finally caught up a couple weeks ago, and then I listened to, I guess you uploaded today or yesterday. I listened to that one this morning. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, last week's episode. I was a little late on getting it up because I had some issues with Alex's audio. So um, <laughs> sorry in advance if you guys haven't heard that one yet. Go back and listen to it. It's uh, it's something. Uh, <laughs> It's a good episode. I thought so. I thought we had a we had a good time. We uh, were a little all over the place, um, as we always are, but kept it. Uh, how long Pliny will last in Jake's fridge? <laughs> it's the I, uh, honestly. I thought it would like last a longer. Pop. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. Right. One, two, I thought it three. would last longer, but <laughs> it it's just one of those things, you know. I like I had it, and I was like, man. You know what I could really go for right now is like my fourth Pliny of the day. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really blame you. Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to fault you for that. Yeah. I think when you have a a beer that's that uh, notorious in the fridge, it's hard to not just want to drink all of it all at once. Um, You know, I feel like I probably could have taken it a little bit easy and spread the wealth across a couple of weeks, but there's plenty of that to be had. There's plenty of beer in general to be had, right? I mean, yeah, drink it. This is, uh, I think you guys brought that up a couple. I don't know if it was this past episode, but maybe the one before about drinking. Typically when beer is released, it's a finished product to be consumed. There are different styles that don't get worse necessarily with age. They can handle some age and they might mellow a bit, but I agree with you guys for the most part. If someone's putting out a product that's ready to go. Yeah. What are you going to do? Slap the brewer in the face and tell him that he's wrong. It's just like, and that's the thing. I think we talk about it fairly regularly, but like you're saying, it's, it's not going to like get significantly better over time. And chances are it will get much, much worse unless you take care of it exactly perfectly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's something that 
comes up a lot in the beer circles online as well. Like people are always trying to flex like, Oh, this is my cellar. This is how I have it set up. This is my, you know, my cool room, my, my medium room, like that kind of thing. Like it's a, there, there's a lot of people that talk about that stuff. And to be honest, I'm probably the worst at it, <laughs> but I think that people try to act like it's, it's wine and wine is one of those things that like you can, you can let it, I mean, even with wine, you don't want to just leave it go for like 20 years. People who are pulling out bottles from like the eighties and the nineties, you're really taking a risk because if something happened where the cork is cracked or something and it gets oxidized, you're drinking trash. Yeah, it's like, it's like your work and it's a dry cork and yeah there's definitely a lot that can go wrong right and i guess you have celebrities and stuff like that who have very uh extensive wine collections sure that know how to take care of them and or pay somebody to take care of them for them which is cool you know if you can do something like that but your average joe doesn't have the ability to do something like that and especially with beer i mean if People are anything like me. I mean, I, I throw that shit in the fridge. And I drink it within a couple of days or a week or two at that. And it's just, I just, you're taking a huge risk and it, you should enjoy the beer when you have it. And that's pretty much what we preach on this podcast. And, and I think people are really dumb about how they handle certain things like that. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think that there's a right way to do it 100% of the time because there's so much variation in these beers, right? Sure, sure. I mean, even if you have two places brewed, not, maybe not the same beer, same recipe, but like we'll say a Russian imperial stout with chocolate, vanilla, and coffee. The way they brew, I mean, the beers are going to turn out different. So the way they package is probably a little different too. So here to beer... You might get lucky with this one. You might not get lucky with that one. Yeah, agreed. So uh, it's it, it, it's like a never-ending debate. You know, I'm, I'm sure that there are plenty of like people online who would love to jump in on on you know that commentary. But and we want to hear from you. There's just so yeah. We sh- we actually should get some some dissenting opinions. <clears throat> but I, I just I don't remember having a beer that. I, that we let sit for a long time where I was like, oh, wow, this is way better than it would have been if we had just drank it when we first bought it. I will say um, one that comes to mind. <laughs> I hope you're saying what I'm thinking right now. Is, uh, well, so specifically to me, um, Voodoo's Black Magic series, right? When they used to do the BRC drops where you could get 12 bottles at a time or whatever it was, there was a lot... Uh, there were, there were a ton of people that would get the entire allotment and they'd try it immediately. And then they'd have one, uh, uh, six months later, a year later, 18 months later, whatever it was to actually like kind of understand what happens to the beer. And you don't get that very often anymore because of the, the limits two bottles, right. For the most part. And they don't do these big, um, collection drops like they used to. One of the ones that I got a hold of was the, uh, the red label black magic or red wax black magic. And I was able to drink it fresh and then a little bit down the road. And I don't know that 
I have a good enough palate to tell you that there was a difference. Right. There are and, some subtleties, but at the same time, like you have to be a fully trained, like taste tester to be able to pick out some of the nuances and, you know, stuff like that. I, I don't want to use the term uh, Cicerone about that because it's just some guy trying the beer at different times. Right. And I mean, I've done it with other stuff. Like I bought a case of uh, pumpkin back in 2016 or 2015 when it was real big and kept a couple of bottles for a few years and it got passable. You know, it wasn't anything that was like drastically better a year later or anything. Cause it wasn't barrel aged. It wasn't anything special. It was just a pumpkin beer that I drank later on, you know, <laughs> like that's the other thing is like, there's no, especially these people that are trading for like one bottle or, you know, throwing up these ISOFTs for, for something that they've never had, but they've heard good things about, or the untapped reviews say that it's absolutely phenomenal and you have to have it. Like, it just seems to me that there's so much variation between even two people, like, are not going to taste the same beer the same way all the time. Right. And everything else you do that day is going to affect how you taste that beer, what you eat it with, what else you have to drink. And what temperature it is, wherever you are, it's I. I go back and forth. We do a lot of sensory stuff at work where we'll hang on to stuff, and it's more or less to see how it's holding up, not necessarily if it's getting better. What we can do to make it better six months down the road, we're just curious on the packaging. It's it's more about making sure the beer is holding up and remaining shelf stable once packaged. Quality control. Uh, yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, that, that's something that if you're, and I don't mean to put words in your mouth with this at all, but if you're moving towards distribution, and I think most, most places are in some sense moving to distribute their stuff outside of just their core accounts that are maybe like two or three people and their home base, Right. I think that that's something that you absolutely have to have is a quality control piece. Sure. Yeah. You want to know what you're putting out there because how many times you run down John Eagle and you buy something and you're unloading it into the fridge and it's, you said what, like two months old from a bottle shop, three months old. Um, I know when we first started to see a lot more half-hearted, not recently, the stuff's been pretty fresh. Um, some of that stuff might be coming from their New York operations though but um they're like even when we get stuff from main beer company sometimes it's not the freshest so you just want to make sure it can withstand shipping temperature changes staying on a shelf for a little bit yeah and i i think it all comes down to the process and your your attention to detail right because even recently i've had beers where i've had a can earlier in the day or one, you know, one, one day and one the next day. And there are differences, right? Sure. Yeah. And that's why I asked Jake the question last week about Pliny is, was it consistent or what was it a couple weeks ago? Was Pliny consistent over each can? Because Russian river is a big outfit, right? They're, they're a place that you would expect to have that experience. Every can is exactly the same. Right. Yeah, and you can definitely see, like, 
they've, like you're saying, they've had experience doing this. They know, you know, what the best practices are. And, and I'm sure that you guys are sort of learning that. And I'm not sure how much you, you, you know, talk to other people. And, and it's all sort of just how you educate yourself. And I mean, a lot of it probably is trial by fire, but um, yeah, I think the, the one additional comment I want to add to this conversation is just to say, like, I have full confidence that people will continue making really good fucking beer that I don't, I'm not going to bend over backwards to get something when I know that they're going to be producing something a year down the road. That's just as good, if not better than it was the first time around. Right. I, I can't agree with that. I don't think unless it's like a certain year where maybe the hop crops aren't that great or, you know, the vanilla you're getting, the Tahitian vanilla beans aren't that great that year. There could be like a quality of ingredients, but most places I think hone in on their brewing process techniques as well as their packaging as time goes on you just get a stronger handle on it. As with anything, if you make a recipe for the first time, you do it with the recipe in front of you and then start to memorize it, start to figure out how it works and just kind of hone in on it. One of the tours that I always go back to is um, Flying Dog out of Maryland. Mm -hmm. Um, Just specifically the quality control lab, right? There's dudes in lab coats, there's beakers and, and vials and testing going on. And like, you're, you're walking through the brewery on the tour and there's people in there working and doing this stuff live, like right in front of you. And not everybody has the capacity to do that to that level, but these guys are literally scientists figuring out how to make their product the best that it can be. Right. Sure. So there's a, there's sure, a big I mean, that happens business. at every level, like Trevor is saying. Oh, know, yeah, no. I, 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 they're obviously taking a different approach. And, and, but, I mean, you're still using as good equipment as you can get for the price or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Sure. Yeah, um, I think that's, like, a good thing to invest in, too. We upgraded canning lines. It was shortly before I came back up here, so a couple of years ago now. Um, Upgraded labeler. We have a DO reader so we can get a really good reading on our dissolved oxygen in the cans to make sure that, you know, theoretically they should be staying good for a long time because there's low amounts of oxygen in there. Um, one of the most impressive facilities I've seen is when I was up in Maine a couple of falls ago and Allagash, their sensory, they have like an entire floor. It's like, mm-hmm just sensory training where they've got like kind of like motor boots and employees will sit there and then they slide samples through and close the window. And then you have to take samples of the beer. It's all Allagash beer usually and record what you're picking up on it. And then they just like blind taste in house. And then the on the bottom floor, they've got just a monster lab. And when I was there, I was walking through with one of the guys and he was telling me that Threes Brewing in Brooklyn mm-hmm. had like a weird, like a wild yeast infection that kept like turning some of their beers and they couldn't figure out what it was. And so they sent it off to Allagash to run some tests on it and Allagash did. And it was like this weird like house mutation of a bread. And they said, this is what it's looking like. This is what you guys basically have. 
now that you know what it is, you can use it this way, which was really cool. See, that's, that's something that's super interesting to me is how much variation is involved with that kind of stuff. And I mean, it could just be like a, it, it, I don't know enough about big brewing processes or, or large batch brewing, but it could be something as simple as, you know, leaving a valve open too long or, you know, oxidizing, you know, that just any sort of weird mutation on your normal stuff that could throw that off. Right. Or it could just be that you're using something that you're maybe not a hundred percent familiar with or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean the whole process, whether it's different temperatures too high or too low at any point from the beginning to all the way through fermentation, um, when you're fermenting, when you're hopping, just, yeah, like you were saying, there's a lot of variables, but I guess the more you brew that beer, you know, what your end results, aiming to be and you kind of have your numbers of what you're trying to hit so you can kind of make adjustments on the fly um which is like what i was saying earlier i think a lot of places you know they get hit with a mistake and they learn how to recover from that so if something comes up like that the next time we can just fix it on the fly quicker um (laughs) there was i used to have a lot of aquariums and i read this thing once in a book that said a lot of the times you know, the people with the healthiest aquariums don't really know how to fix the problems because they've never had to deal with them. It's people that like took the time and like learned everything and fucked up a lot and had to go through it. Then they know how to fix the problems. Yeah. Cause you can adjust for certain errors or certain <clears throat> flavors or whatever it is. I mean, and that's, basic chemistry, I guess at that point, right. You're just offsetting whatever's there with the correct, you know, stuff for, yeah, more or less. Um, I guess the, the least glorified part of the brewing process is the amount of readings and recording and just note taking that goes on during it. Um, there's a fair amount of down, downtime. Like it's an easy process, but when you're waiting for stuff to heat up, when you're waiting for stuff to boil, you've got some time and you're just taking your readings and making sure you're hitting your markers where you want to be in that point of the process to make sure theoretically your final product should align with what you've done in the past or what you're aiming for. If you've just built the recipe and, you know, trying to get to a certain ABV, you know, you might need to be at this gravity at this point. And if you're a little low, you might have to end up adding a little bit more sugars how much automation has been involved in uh, the places that you've worked? Because I'll go to a bunch of breweries. I mean, I, pretty much every city I go to, I try to get to at least a couple. Um, and it, sort of, it seems like it varies. Like, I'm, I'm very... Uh, I, I don't want this to come off as, like, me being pompous, but I'm, like, very familiar with automation in general because that's my, like, actual job. Um, so like when I see something that, that resembles something that I actually use in like, you know, I would use in like a manufacturing plant or something like that, I, I, I'm curious about it. So I'm like, how much of it is manual versus automated? I mean, it obviously depends on the place that you work in. Like you've worked in some pretty big suites, I'm sure. Kind of all over the place. Typically the bigger you are, the more automated it is. Um, 
I think mostly out of necessity so you can get everything done within your allotted time frame of what a typical brew day is. Um, like when I started triple crossing, it was just the original one. We were on a seven barrel system, which is 70% of what dancing gnome started as. And a little more than a third of the size we do for like a lot of our double IPAs. Um, <clears throat> extremely hands-on there pretty much everything needed constantly watched um not a lot of downtime very hands-on then when we expanded we got a much larger brew house and we opened up with mostly 20 barrel fermenters and a couple 40s most of those 20s got replaced with 40s and then we brought in a couple 60s um there's a fair amount of stuff that's automated there But it's probably like half and half. Dancing Gnome has a really nice system as well. The most, I think the best part about <laughs> is the auger that takes the crushed grains over to the mash tun because we did not have that at Triple Crossing at first. So we basically had to bring in by really large plastic bins, like garbage cans. Like we go buy fresh garbage cans basically and then put it under the mill, fill it up, carry it upstairs, dump it in by hand. And we had like six or seven of those that you have to do. And then we didn't, a lot of the, you'll see the systems have like on the match ton, a door that swings open that you can kind of like spoon all the spent grain out of. Mm -hmm. We didn't have that either. So when you're done, you had to get up on like a step stool with a snow shovel and shovel out all the wet seeping grain. Wow. Jesus Christ. That's like a, <laughs> that's a nightmare. I'm thinking of like all of the, like when I was working in like actual manufacturing, they have so many things that like they, they won't let you lift over like, you know, a certain number of pounds and things like that. And like, that's just an absolute nightmare. <laughs> For that kind of stuff. They've got an auger now that like shoots up off the grist case above the tasting room and then back down to the brew house. Um, <laughs> and it made everything a lot easier because you could even, you can mill in the night before, which a lot of times I would do when I was leaving. I would just grab whatever, you know, grain they needed for the next day and mill it in for them. And then that way they could just turn the auger on and they're ready to mash in. Which definitely just that alone saved everybody so much time and struggle <laughs> right. you still had you still had to shovel it out at the end but <laughs> i mean you do what you got to do right <laughs> yeah i guess so um but you know when stone opened up in richmond they their tanks were so big they had to bring them down the river because they were they were too big for the highway so they had to come down the james river Jesus. and they're monstrous they're huge and i'm those guys i think pretty much a joke. They just sit and hit a couple buttons and it just brews for them. They definitely did more than that, but they were brewing hundreds of barrels of beer. Yeah. And well, and that's their East Coast distribution much. too, right? Like now, anyway, yeah. or it yeah. was. So anything I think east of Colorado. Oh wow! Or at least at least at one point, I'm not sure. I heard they had slowed down a bit. Um, Stone wasn't doing too hot for a minute. I'm not sure how they're currently doing. I know. Was it Brewdog bought their Germany location? Yeah. Um, and they've had plans to build this like massive beer garden in Richmond, and they bought this building, and they had to reroute the road around it, and they weren't able to actually do that, so a lot of people are pissed. They like changed the entire road, and the roads were shut down for like a year and a half. Jesus. Um, wow. 
I'm not a huge Stone fan. I more or less because their president or CEO or owner just kind of a real jag <laughs> piece of work. Big, yeah, I think we've discussed this. I feel like I went off about him. I don't yeah. know if he was on here. We were just talking, but um, they like their system was like really nice, but really automated. Yeah, and I've seen that like the the place that I always think of is industrial arts, and I I talk about them probably way more than I should. <laughs> um, but that was to me that was the first time that I ever got like a real up up close and personal look at like a system like that. And because I think this was even before I did because I sent that picture in the group message like last week of me with Andrew when we interviewed him for our class and that this was back in like 2017. But I think even the summer before that year, I, I took a trip out to um, Jersey and New York and industrial arts is like, I mean, just sort of in the name, you can kind of tell that they're, you know, it, it, they think of it more along the lines of, of on an industrial scale. And it, it's, they they were I was like the only person there, so they were giving me the whole spiel about you know what it is they do, and they can they can start a bash from home. You know that's like the level that they're at. Now I'm sure that a lot of places that that grow to like some some kind of larger size try to get to that point, so that it is pretty hands off. You can save a lot of money, I'd imagine, just having that stuff. I mean, it's it's a large upfront cost, right? The capital expense is, is huge for an automated system. Just, I mean, just knowing like how much we charge for certain things, like I'm, I'm sure that it, it's costs a lot of money to develop these systems and implement them. But um, in the long run, you're definitely saving yourself money. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'm not sure how many and each uh, system manufacturer. The differences between system and system are, are they all pretty much do the same thing, but they're pretty drastic. Um, just how you actually physically have to then go brew on it. I don't know how many of them do that much automation on the smaller systems just because they're not going to pour that kind of money into something that there's not yeah. a market for just because people that usually get a smaller system are doing it for price point. Not a lot of people are like, I'm going to open up a three, five, seven barrel brewery because that's my goal in life. And right, agreed. <laughs> we're going to be the best. I mean, there are places that do stuff like that, like Fermentary Forum in Philadelphia is very small, and they're open like two days a week and pretty limited beer. But they also don't have hot side equipment, so they don't actually brew the wort. They just get it from neighboring breweries and they bring it in and they ferment it. They pitch their house yeast and then they blend the barrels. Um, so that's maybe a little different, but. I think the smaller systems, I'm not sure there's even really an option for advanced automation from the, from the supplier. No, I doubt it. I mean, you just sort of, I mean, I, I sort of liken smaller systems to almost on the level of like a home brewing system. Like you're not really going to automate much about a home brewing system. And once you're, if you're getting up into like three, like you're saying three, five, seven, that area, like it's just, Again, the the cost, like you're saying, the cost to develop the system and and purchase it and implement it is just not worth it until you get up to, you know, probably fifteen plus systems, right? 
but yeah, it's uh, it's all very interesting. I mean, it it, it really is cool to see how different they're all pretty similar, but you know, just the way that they're set up and, and yeah, they all do the same stuff, but they all do it a little differently. Yeah, yeah. Industrial arts. Uh, when you were when were you there? I was there in twenty sixteen, I believe. Okay, this might have when they came to one of our festivals in Richmond. I was talking to the guys and. It was probably 2017, 2018. But they also, they do um, spirits as well. I don't know if they were doing it back then. And they had started canning, like, their gin and tonic. And they started canning, like, vodka cocktails. And they had whiskey, but it wasn't ready yet. But um, they do just a ton of stuff up there. Like, they do a lot of beer. A lot of good beer, but just, like, a high volume of beer. But they also do spirits as well, which is really cool. Well, they just have so much space. Have you been there? I have not been there, but I've seen it. It's just like this big, I mean, it's like an industrial park and they own like the whole thing. So they just have a shitload of space to kind of do whatever they want. So it doesn't surprise me at all that they're getting into all those different things. And plus they like, they make some of the best beer that I've had in that area of the country. So, uh, you know, more power to them. They've been popping up in Pittsburgh too. Oh, yeah. I saw Equilibrium just announced that they're going to be shipping to PA more readily and regularly. Yeah, I saw that, too. Very exciting news. Allagash just came back. They were here forever ago, but Allagash White is on the shelves now. I would love to get some hoppy table beer. I have yeah. <laughs> uh, a can in my fridge that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save for a little while because I consumed a little bit too much of it yesterday. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I was, I was in the, the group Snapchat yesterday. Like that's Allagash white is probably one of the best beers in the country. I mean, I, I put, I put that up against anything. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very much a Sierra Nevada pale ale. It's, like a yeah. It's a staple. That just are American craft. It's like, it's like a Mustang or like a Corvette. Yeah. Like, maybe not all the models were great. Like those mid Early 2000s Mustangs were pretty shitty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing that's crazy about Northern California is like that. The Mustang is like a huge car for some reason. I don't, I don't know why, but I see them all the time. Like, especially like in my neighborhood, I'll see like, I'll like be running around or, or like going for a walk or something. And I'll see like 10 of them. And it's just like <laughs> older ones. Uh, some newer ones, some, n- none that are like, like the classics, you know, like, it's a lot of like big classic car places. No, uh, yes. No muscle cars. No, when I went to, I was actually, when I was in San Diego, um, probably last summer, like the end of last summer, they had a, they had a car show going on, like on, on the beach that we were at. And there were a ton of classic Mustangs there too. It's, it's just, cause the weather is so nice. Like you can have that thing out, you know, you don't have to worry about it getting destroyed by the snow or anything yeah right meanwhile the storage units in that night burned down last summer and everybody lost their old ferraris right <laughs> tragedy that's, brutal. that's a tragedy yeah anyway so we've stayed pretty much on point with craft beer this episode so far trev how are you holding up in quarantine bud pretty good um it has been a roller coaster of opinions about it. And now I just have accepted it as this is life. So just wake up and try to be on a schedule. 
Yeah, that's I'm I'm finding that to be the most difficult part is like just trying to to maintain because I you know typically you have like for me I have a commute in the morning to work and that's when I sort of like get ramped up but it's like you know I'll wake up at like seven here take a shower sit down on my computer at like eight but uh, yeah so I, that's a good segue into what we discussed a little bit before we started recording. Um, what are your thoughts? How, how are people handling this uh, from a craft brewing perspective? Um, and then a follow-up question to that would be, what do you think will be the largest change to kind of come from this? If you have thoughts on those two. Sure. Yeah. Um, the biggest, maybe not the biggest, but the thing most prevalent right now in my work life is uh we have not opened up yet we're still just doing to go beer um five days a week same as we've been doing the whole time um we're still brewing at full capacity uh we're just not opening because our um our normal occupancy level is not the largest because we're smaller so 50 percent of that really would not make an overwhelming amount of sense to almost have to staff regularly anyways. Um, it just wouldn't be an enjoyable experience, we don't think. We want to be able to provide what people kind of come out for every week. But we've been getting hammered with calls and emails and stuff, um, or people just coming by and assuming we're open, and it kind of sucks to be the bad guy. Um, luckily, Hitchhiker is open, and they have a decent amount of space, and they're all but five or six blocks from us, so we can kind of send people that way that are looking to go somewhere. Uh, crazy Karens across the street seems like they're open. Um, so I think everybody in, in Pennsylvania, I know they did a really weird phrasing for the phases and we are officially in green phase, but that means we're like halfway there. So everybody doesn't know that or they think it just green means go. Um, so that's been kind of something to work around. Um, it feels like we're not meeting people's expectations, but it's not really on us. It's just kind of the situation at hand. And I can understand people's frustration. They want to get out and they want to get back to normalcy, but. Right. Cause that's, I mean, you're the same, you're in the same boat. Like we all want to be doing that. Even, even the people at DG, like you guys get out and go to different breweries and stuff too. Right. So it's... I'd love to be working a full week's schedule. And then, you know, after Saturday, go out and grab a beer, go out to Allegheny Wine Mixer, or, you know, go get something to eat at Umami. But right. unfortunately, that's not the case right now. Um, outside of my personal life, it's been interesting. Almost everybody had to immediately switch gears and start doing large, massive can sales with online uh, interface for purchase. Um, we see people like Brew Gentlemen set up crawlers and i think they've done a really good job with that they've been able to get a lot of beer and that's always been their thing i think they say uh more beer to more people in a more convenient way something similar to that if that's not it and i think they've really stepped up to that um because they did not only the crawlers which i've done a handful of times but they also started canning doing this which they have almost done general braddocks every week if not every other so that's been pretty cool to see um, online ordering went a lot smoother than I think I anticipated it going. Um, so that, but almost all the breweries I know 
or the majority of them use Square as a POS. And Square does have an option on the website to, you can hook your website up to it so they can track your inventory through your POS. Mm. And it's fairly easy to use. I've seen problems across the board with like more hype beers. Um, like when we did Black Clouds and when we did Lustre Day, you add it to your cart, but unless you had your stuff autofilled, it probably was in your cart. But it was in 1,500 people's carts, and there was a limited supply. Monkish got hammered for this week in and week out because people had it in their cart, and then they went to go, oh, nice shirt. That must be the Christmas gift that you got them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's Monkish Monday. Monkish Monday. I'm not, no. <laughs> <laughs> Only if. Right. Um, but some of the comments were like super mean and people like, we're really pissed you did this. Why can't you just, this is still talking about monkish. I read through like 400 comments one day. I was like, this is insane. Like these are people that typically won't go wait in line or just like be able to go to their salon drops. And people are like, you really shouldn't do online ordering because now the locals can't get it. And I'm thinking to myself, this is like for locals only to pick up. Like right. this is even like, more centralized. <laughs> Yeah, you're talking like if you can't get there readily, then you can't get the beer anyway. <laughs> yeah, it was just so confusing to me. Um, but I think overall, the industry handled it pretty well. I know Grist House got a lot of shit because they weren't doing online sales right away. Yeah. Um, I don't know the reason behind that, or I don't know if they were doing it for most of them. I know this the first Celsius drop, they did it, and that was a very anticipated drop, but they pretty much got that in gear right away and it's been pretty smooth for them, it seems. Um, I don't know. The, and all of this is just um, like moving forward, how it's changed. I definitely think I used to hate the idea of online sales. I know places like Burley Oak, or is it RAR? It might be RAR. It does a lot of ticketed sales. It's one of the Maryland breweries where pretty much any or a large portion of their can sales you buy online ahead of time and then you can have proxies pick them up or you go pick them up when you can and then they sell the rest of them just in person to people that show up. I don't know what our plan is specifically. I don't know if we've decided that. I can see there being a place for doing some online though moving forward maybe not a ton maybe they go on after the initial release but i think it's worked so well that there's at least an argument to be made and i think some breweries will definitely stick with that um we have a lot of people that come from ohio and west virginia and some of our regulars i didn't even know were coming from those places but they've said this is just so much easier to just instead of just come on Saturday and hope they can get whatever's left plus the Saturday release, they can get online every morning and they can grab, you know, however many four packs they want of Lustre on Wednesday, however many four packs they want of Etch on Thursday, and then grab the double on Saturday and just come one day, but make sure they get what they want. One of the things um, I will say about that is it doesn't work as well for me. <laughs> Because right, there, so there is a Nick Adams from Erie. Oh yeah, who, who places right. orders, and then it gets super confusing. And I feel bad because um, Andrew 
put together like an entire case for me. And he's like, no, this is your beer. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's the other Nick Adams. <laughs> and so I, it doesn't work as well for me, but I get, I, I definitely get that point of view. And I think, um, Adams. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we, we had this discussion in the Facebook group and it was hilarious because you don't really come across that all that often, but I mean, my name's not uncommon. It's just, Ask me if I'm surprised that two white guys named Nick Adams are found in this this conundrum <laughs> of ordering craft beers from someplace. Literally not. I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. Jake, uh, are you the- surprised that two white guys uh, have found themselves in this conundrum? Oh, yeah. Welcome, Absolutely Alex, not. to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, hi, everyone. <laughs> uh, but seriously, uh, one of the ones, and I've mentioned this the past couple episodes, is uh, Dewey out of Delaware, right? They do that same kind of thing where they have walk-up available, but they do most of their sales online. And it seems to work for them, but I don't know what kind of volume they're doing either. So it might be that they're a bigger player. But like you said, I think RAR is the one that you were talking about being that like ticketed style. And I can definitely see that being something that's long-lasting. even for some of the smaller players, but not necessarily the small players. Yeah. I mean, I just, just purely based on convenience, like I've been upping my like target order online, pick up like no contact, like delivery stuff. And it's just simply so convenient. Like you don't have to like peruse aisles. Like they generally are up to, to date on all of the stock and everything. And it seems like you guys have been pretty good about that as well. Um, I just can't get over that convenience. I mean, I, I think a lot of the, a lot of society now has, has been forced to like, um, push themselves like five years in the future. Um, like this was definitely going to happen eventually. And I think, uh, now that it has, like it, I can't see it not sticking around like in at least some capacity for like a good amount of, of players. And that's that on that. (laughs) It'll be super interesting. Um, And I think it'll definitely just be case by case uh, brewery to brewery. I mean, Um, some people maybe sign up ticket sales. Some people maybe saw, you know, if you had really like, if you maybe I don't know how Lawrenceville guys are doing, but if you did most of your stuff just from walk up, people walking by in a really good neighborhood like Lawrenceville, maybe this didn't go that well for you. Versus if you're all the way out in Braddock and there's no other attraction, maybe this is something you consider. You can get a lot of high volume done, and you can get people's orders to them super quick ahead of time. It's already planned out. They've got a pickup time. And they just stroll through, bring it out to their car. I mean, at that point, they're probably going to come into the bar, walk into the cold room, grab your bag, and then you go. But that's right. kind of honestly how they do a lot of their stuff. Anyways, they, they do a lot of Eventbrite bottles, and they do a lot of last year, the anniversary bottles you went and got in person. You purchase a week ahead, and then you pick your pickup date. So I could see this version of Brew Gentleman's online store sticking around. I think it makes a lot of sense for them. I think that they're also being unique in the fact that if you're placing an order online, you need to be there that day. Right. And now I like that, that 
because they're very limited. They're limiting the amount each day. So no one's really sitting on stuff like, oh, I want this. Let me just throw it in my cart and get it, and then I'll go get it when I want. And if not, I'll cancel it in a week. Right. Yeah, and that's something that I think that based on their model, that's the way they want to do it because they want you to have the beer on hand as soon as possible. Now, it's it's nice for me because I have a friend that lives down there that I can say, hey, add a couple extra for me because most of the time we're not buying full allotments of stuff. Like I have a, I have a crowler of Lou and I have a crowler of uh, the Sunset Haze sitting over here ready to crack <clears throat> because a friend of mine was like, hey, I'm getting this stuff. Do you want such and such. And I'm like, yeah, sign me up, whatever. And so then I meet up with him a week later or whatever. Not a big deal for growlers. Growlers were totally different, right? Cause you could only get growlers up until all of this went on. So I think that brew gentlemen's attack of like, just being able to be this mobile with it to turn that switch on and just say, Hey, you know what? This is what we're doing now was fantastic for them. Yeah. I think you're seeing that sort of across the board. Like I'm, I've been very impressed uh, with just people in general. Uh, I was saying a bit before that I, I didn't really know much about this area before I had gotten here, but even just kind of following along with some, some of their Instagram posts for, for the players around me. Uh, Camino is the one that comes to mind, which is like 10 blocks away from me. They, it seemed like as soon as the, the quarantine kind of started, within like a week or two, they were ready to go for online ordering. And that doesn't seem like something that they had been doing before, which is extremely impressive. You know, I mean, it, you know, Square and places like that, uh, they make it easier on you, I'm sure, like, like you were saying a little bit earlier as well. Um, but even just having the capacity and like being able to be that flexible is, is very impressive. And I think that's, that's going to bode well for if this, if something like this ever happens again, and I think it'll just, it'll just serve to, to improve business in general for a lot of these smaller places. I sure hope so. Trev, have you been like getting out and, and like buying a lot of beer places? Like what's your alcohol consumption looked like during this? Not really lately. Um, I thought I had probably had like a year's worth of alcohol when this first started. And then like within a week, I think Chris and his girlfriend, Daniela came over twice and we just played board games and kind of were trying to see what this whole thing was. And like went through so much beer and like the majority of my bourbon and really slowed down after that. <laughs> <laughs> it goes it goes super quickly. Like I I started like buying hard alcohol now that I like moved out and like I'm like, "Oh, this is going to last me so long." And then like I go through a night and like half a bottle's gone. I'm like, "What the fuck was I doing last night?" <laughs> it's like not it's like no it's like no better. It's yeah, it's it's been a it's been kind of a shit show. But the, the seller took a big dent. A lot of the bottles down there are gone. Um, a lot of everything's gone, honestly. A lot of whales, I, I assume. Yeah, a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of whales. The year of the whale. Um, but not so much lately. Like I, Especially the last week, I really haven't been drinking much at all. Um, still bring stuff home from work. Um, but right now, I'm just kind of hanging on to that. We're going to go down to the beach in August, so... 
That's probably exciting. Tag on to some stuff for that. Cool. Good. I want to bring up one more question. I think before we kind of wrap up for the week, what's the story on collabs? Um, they're kind of just. I've seen places do them, or they do like the veil and. I don't know if it was the Veil and Trillium first or the Veil and other half. It was the Veil and somebody. They did like a Freaky Friday where they brewed each other's recipes. And then I saw Hofhard and did that with American Solera down in Tulsa. And I think a couple of places are kind of doing that. We've kind of, we had a couple lined up and we kind of put them all on the back burner until we could, I guess, do them the way we wanted to. Where it had like a release for them and kind of do it up and have the beer on draft for people who aren't able to get cans or don't want to get four cans and just kind of have a, I mean, obviously we'd really like to get the people here too to brew, but our, ours are on hold. I want to say that, that, uh, the hoof hearted and American Solera, I feel like was driven by 12% just because they're both being distributed through New York now. Yeah. That could be true. I, know. I, I, I don't know 100%. Like, don't, don't quote me on that, but I, I assume that that's probably part of it. Because... No, quote him on that. Oh, wait. And yeah, no, I'm sorry. It's wrong, on cancel him. We want him. Cancel he's going to be destroyed in the comments, and that's what we need. Yeah. <laughs> we've, been, we've been looking for a way to get him canceled for the last two, two and a quarter years. So Literally, fuck that... you guys. Literally, fuck Please you guys. Please take all of his quotes <laughs> out of context. <laughs> I mean, it's already happened several times, um, but I, I want to say that I think that that drove it because they um, are the guys at Hoof are always super cool and they're pretty well. They, they know everybody, so it, I'm sure they knew because the guy who started American Solera was one of the guys who started Prairie, so he's been around for a while. Yeah, and I'm sure Trevor and Blake have known him for years, probably. And I'm not trying to call anybody out by saying that, but I, but I assume that it makes it easier to distribute and all that good stuff. Just being that they're made in the same building, basically in New York. That's good. That's really good sleuth work, Nick. You're just a regular fucking Sherlock Holmes over here. Nancy drew eat your heart out. (laughs) You guys fucking blow. It's just a joke, Nick. You guys, guys, you guys are, you guys are the shittiest. How long have you guys been the, recording? Because I, I don't, I don't know where we are in the time. Uh, we're, we're uh, probably 15, about, maybe. We're, I mean, we're about an hour ten in to the recording, but there was about twenty minutes where, where we thought that you were not on the FaceTime. Right. So, so okay. So <laughs> let me. Man, I, if I had well, known that you were on it and you couldn't hear us or you couldn't speak, then I would have just been destroying you <laughs> and i'm upset that I, i'm upset that no one told me that. so i honestly on, like wait. no i seriously thought i legitimately thought that you guys like were all texting each other like hey just <laughs> don't talk to alex <laughs> like i i and i was like you're which would have been hilarious yes i know like that's unfortunately a, yeah. that's not how it works okay so i do want to touch on one other topic that jake and trevor and i discussed before the podcast and it is the height of festival season right now, like in a, in a normal circumstance, we would have so many stories of being stupid drunk for three hours on a Saturday. But honestly, thank God we're not doing that anymore because 
No, no, no. I think my liver. Can't I don't think my, I don't think Alex's liver can handle much more. <laughs> You're probably not wrong. <laughs> no, so, but the thing is, now we're shifting to. <laughs> Honestly, that's an incredible question. I don't, I don't have a solid answer for you at this time. But that's I gonna be the Twitter poll of the week. What's stronger, Alex's laptop or Alex's liver? <laughs> Neither of them are we doing great. We may neither of them are know. doing great right now. They're not, <laughs> neither. They'll both die at the same time. They probably let's, will. Let's yeah. put it. Let's yeah. put it out there. I. Uh, it, but no, I'm, I, I'm on borrowed time. I want to talk about virtual beer fest. Okay, and I, I think Trevor. I, I feel like you'll have an opinion on this. Just being that you've been on, I, I would assume you've been on both sides. Like, have you attended beer festivals on your own or? Uh, yeah, I mean, you mean I'm assuming you mean as not working. Yes. Not. Yeah, I mean, but but you've been on the other side too, but where you're serving at a beer fest or you know working a beer fest. So yes, more more often that one. Well, yeah, I would assume. But these these virtual fests, I mean, this is something that is unprecedented, right? This is something that you're you've never seen before. This is something that's not been done before how how does this change like the perception of what a beer fest can be or what it should be i guess i guess i never really looked into the virtual ones once i started hearing about them i don't think i don't understand i, I don't get it um and that's fine. I mean, I think I, there's a lot of beer fest that I also like see or maybe even have attended where I was like, this probably didn't need to happen or I don't really like the way this was run or I can't imagine spending money to go here. Um, but then I've been to some phenomenal ones that I like, wish I could go to annually. Um, so like beer fest in general, I'm already like 50, 50, the virtual thing. I, I really don't cause you still have to pay do you have to pay? Yes. Yeah. Oh my god! Like who it's is like fifteen dollars? Who is running these? So let me let me throw out two that I know for sure are going on that are at least in the Pittsburgh realm, right? So okay. the first one is uh, Fresh Fest, right? And they're so this one's tough because. I don't think that it's really a beer fest at this point. I think it's just a, a virtual festival, right? Because it kind of is. it's a culture fest kind of. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that, that for sure. But I'm, uh, but what I mean by that is this, this particular iteration is $10 and you get to attend all of the online virtual, um, panels right so i don't think that that's unreasonable but Mm -hmm. at the same time now you don't have you don't have the beer element to the beer festival right and it it, yeah it's just it's it's so different it is and like about that is they always do the collaborations exactly um, which is really driving because like last year was fucking awesome. We we did a double IPA with Navi Roots. 
Yeah. And that was fucking awesome. How wild is that? Like those guys were super cool. Yeah. And I mean, it, and the festival, obviously this year should be the most important like statement festival because of the, because of everything that's going on, honestly, right. that, that it really does need to be an important part of culture. And I, I hope everybody that listens to this podcast spends the $10 to, to tune in on this stuff because I'm going to for sure. And it's going to be a different experience, but I'm going to sit there and I'm going to drink some good beer and, and watch all this stuff at the same time, that kind of thing. But at the same time, you're not getting the, the full beer festival experience. And, I mean, even the fresh fest is always above and beyond. You're not getting that. You're not getting the food. You're not getting the concerts. Right. Yeah. You're not getting the, the camaraderie of being around everybody that's there and right. supporting. Yeah, that's, that's like a big party. I mean, that's like, if you went to like, obviously not the same as like Bonnaroo or Coachella, but like, they like big stages and like people playing like big names and, it's a beer fest, so they have like really good beer. It's there's nothing else like it. Those guys do a great job with that. And it's wild that it's, it was founded in Pittsburgh too. Like that, that this all started from nothing, and it was just an idea, and they ran with it, and it, it's now this huge cultural phenomenon. Yeah, I think they're just trying to make the the best of a bad situation. Like there's there's no right way to do it at this point because you can't do it the way that everybody knows and loves. Right. Um, I, I'm interested to hear what your commentary is following the festival and, and the talks and things. Um, like you're saying, it's very important considering everything that's happening with the Black Lives Matter movement and, and just all the protesting that's been going on. Uh, people really pushing for change right now. And I'm sure that that's going to be the the focus, uh, which is, which is good and important, but there's also that beer aspect that, you know, brings people around yearly to that, to that event. Um, the other one that I'm sure that you were going to mention is the hop culture event. Yes. Where if you live in a certain number of States and you participate, you can have the option to purchase 18 beers from various places around the country. Yep. Which is a, it's a cool, uh, addition. Um, but it's also sort of that same thing. It's like, you know, I could just go buy 18 beers from up the street and support, you know, my local businesses, not that it, you're not supporting, you know, the the craft beer people who are jumping in on the, the festival aspect of it, but um, that'll be interesting to see how they handle um, different panels and things. I, that's something that they don't really do at, at festivals now. It's really just you go there and you drink. Right. Do they have people speak at those events? Not, not the ones that I've been to. I think like, um, so Nick mentioned 12%, which is a distributor in a beer project in New York. Um, they carry the Shelton brand, which is the big, like Shelton brand carries, like this is a big portfolio. They get the Cantillon, the Drefontaine, any big European, and probably there's a couple Japanese breweries that are escaping me right now. Um, they bring them in. And like, if you go to the Shelton Brothers Festival, um, you last couple of years I think it's been in Atlanta. Um, they have panels that they pull in people. Like I listened to one with the guys from Cloudwater. I listened to one that was um, 
barrel aged beer and it had like Brewery Bavana, American Solera, like all the breweries I'm interested in for that aspect. And they had really thoughtful panels. I, it's a long thing though. You know, they have multiple events, multiple panels, multiple tastings. And it's, right. it's, it's kind of like something you would have at the convention center where it's just like a massive conglomerate of this higher end portfolio within the industry. Yeah, I think for me, it's just hard to, it's hard to add commentary right now because you just don't know how it's going to go. Right, because if you if you start running into like technical problems and stuff, I mean the whole thing could blow up in ten minutes. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, I mean, you kind of just have to wait and see. It's it's like everybody's sort of just like holding on for dear life, just like hopefully this works out, like hopefully we can make some money and you know help out the business and stuff for right now. Because obviously, like what is it just going to be like one giant Zoom? Like, how are you supposed to pull someone aside and have a conversation with, like, the two people that you want to talk to? You just have to message them privately. <laughs> and then you're just basically texting them. Right. During all of this. No, I mean, I, I think... it. Yeah, it's it's hitting everyone hard. Like, people that... I mean, especially hop culture. Like, that was their big thing. Like, I knew they were, like, opening... or I know they were opening, like, a bar at some point, but... Like, obviously, that's probably going to get put on hold now. So, like, what do they even have going on? They're just, like, an online, like, magazine-type thing. But they, um, they're like us. They don't have any content. Like, <laughs> there's nothing going on right now. People are just brewing yeah. beer. So, like, you can't really, you know, because a lot of their business is based sort of around, like, being able to travel. And they put out, you know, they put out lists where they're, like, you know, like, anywhere anywhere I go, any city that I go to, like I like, when I go to Berkeley... I'll look. Uh, you can if you just look up Hop Culture Berkeley on Google, you find like a list that they put together of places to go and like things to do. But you can, no one's traveling right now, so they're not generating any of those. I mean, it's it's tough for for sort of like a culture kind of magazine like that. Um, but again, I mean, what's the alternative? You just don't put it on. You try like you don't do anything. You no, I mean, up. I think they're just trying to see. And, and who knows if what kind of ideas they'll be able to 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 gain from this, right? Like how they can incorporate some of the, these like panels and, and things into the actual festivals when they get put back on in 2021. I, yeah, they like, I think it's definitely, I mean, it's, it's forcing everyone to be creative because this is just like unprecedented. Like this is where you see like how creative people can get with the way they market, the way they sell all of that kind of stuff. Um, I do actually, I, at first I was like, this seems stupid, but after you, like, describe them, like, Fresh Fest isn't going to be a beer fest, it's just going to be, like, a culture fest, which, as you said before, like, that's that was kind of, like, the big thing with them at the beginning. It kind of sucks, like, it, it would be cool if they did a thing where, like, a couple, they, like, you know, maybe, like, contracted a couple breweries to make some beer, and then, like, people that want to attend it could, like, go pick up their, like, four-pack of, you know, like, Fresh Fest collab beers or something like that. I think that would be something unique that they could do. Um, I, I don't know who I need to DM that idea to, but if anyone out there knows anyone that works at, uh, what's the pot, what's the podcast they do? Drinking partners, drinking partners. If anyone knows the drinking partners guys, we don't. So, uh, let me know (laughs) and I'll get in contact with them. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean like both of them seem like, okay. It's just like, 
this doesn't seem like something that will will be like a long term. Like, no, and I, I don't think that it's sustainable. But for the festival industry, so I think that uh, the other the other the other thing that I came across is just like the thought process was like, why wouldn't you have just like one of your friends get a ticket and then like have a beer share uh, for the hop culture one specifically, right? Like. Just, just like three of you, four of you together, get get all the beers and split them up. You know, like that kind it's of thing. Like, like, yeah, but it's like the honor system. It's just like you know, like if you want to support hop culture, like don't don't just have one person. It's like it's like when when people buy like the fights on HBO, right? Or that's whatever, the same idea. You, you yeah. invite like fifty people, so you all pay like a dollar. And you yeah, watch the I fight. mean, there's. Like, there's so many. They, there's so much advertising with them. They're they're not they're not missing the 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 two hundred dollars they're mi- they're losing by you having twenty people over to your house. Yeah, but that's that's an, an interesting. Thing. Yeah, I didn't think, I didn't think about people doing that. But also, like, who's <laughs> who's like gonna go? Like, where are you gonna watch this? Like, we're still all supposed to be like sequestered. So, like, why are you? How would you even do? Like, go and watch it at someone's house? Like. Pull up a projector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just roll out the projector. Well, mom and dad have so just yeah, just, like, they could do that. You know, <laughs> just just hold, just like put your phone on the on the TV screen and have like the entire live stream just on your group FaceTime call. <laughs> yeah, so we don't condone doing that. Support uh, support local business, which I guess hop culture is technically a local business again. Yeah. Right? Anyway, uh, so the the point being that this stuff is wild and it's going to be insane to see what comes of this but i don't think that it's going to have any lasting rippling effects where like next year if everything's cool and calm down and whatever fresh fest is going to be one of the biggest festivals in the country right like that's that's going to happen yeah um, and we're going. I think to go every, I think everybody is <laughs> right. just like is just like bubbling up with like this anticipation of when when things are finally normal opened up again. Yeah. To, yeah, once once the vaccine is is like widely produced and everybody has it, then people are just gonna go fucking nuts. We're still and in Act I'll One now, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's seems to be never ending, but um, you know we we continue to. Pump out content like it's along along and yeah, the content train continues rolling right, right down so, Main Street. No so I think off. this is probably a good, no probably a good off. point to to wrap up. Thanks, yeah, so, Alex, for joining here at the end, Trevor. As always, always a Anytime you want to come on, please. Uh, you are an honorary member of this. Wait a minute. 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 Let me. He uh, always has. He always has one more thing. To no, no, no. I, I I have a question for Trevor. Okay, <laughs> Trevor. I know that you're a conspiracy theorist. Oh God! All right, what's one of the craziest ones that you've heard in the past three months about COVID? Um, <laughs> if he doesn't have one, I have one that I heard at work from an actual man. They don't seem that crazy to me. They just seem like, yeah, this is probably. Uh, what's of happening. course they don't. <laughs> of course they don't. <laughs> um, just like I guess the craziest one would be um, the reason Trump didn't take action sooner is because he wanted it to get this bad. That way, hopefully, it comes around in the fall and we can't have, like, a normal election. 
Okay. I mean, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. My favorite, my personal favorite, favorite is, is, um, 5G. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Carrie, Carrie Hilson, uh, touted that on Twitter. Carrie Hilson of Knock You Down fame. Oh, no. Um, no, I heard, apparently, um, my, one of my coworkers was talking to one of the maintenance guys at, at my job, and he was saying that, um, Bill Gates, uh, owns the, the lab in Wuhan, uh, where it originated, um, and he created it, and uh, he had it created. Give me two. I think HIV was a man-made virus. I don't know about that, but I don't. I'm, <laughs> you can look up the patent with the U.S. Patent Agency. It's patented. Wow! Okay. I will do that. <laughs> I will do that. Um, Jesus. My favorite. Ronald is, Reagan. Reagan. Reagan invented AIDS. My favorite was the uh, the gentleman at my place of employment who tried to pay his bill by check and then proceeded to yell about China stealing vaccines for, for COVID through your bank account routing number. Oh, this yeah. was a gentleman. Sure. In his 70s, yelling about this. So, that that actually My happened. face right now, for anybody listening still, is like that is the meme of the woman with all the numbers and formulas around her head. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. That's me yes, right now. Make exactly. it make sense. <laughs> like, it makes sense. Like, what, make it make sense. In what world? But, anyway. Thanks again, Trevor, for coming on. Really yeah, appreciate you being here with us. Um, Alex, Jake, you guys got anything else? I'm good. Everyone stay safe out there. Trev, keep doing what you're doing. We hope to see you very soon. I'm good to go. All right, guys. Let's uh, raise a glass here and uh, cheers. Cheers. And welcome to the end of the podcast. You made it this far, so why not go and follow us on social media? At The Weekly Recap on Instagram. At The Weekly Recap 1 on Twitter. Or email us at theweeklyrecap1 at gmail.com. Thank you.